My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to our podcast, Bugs by the Yard. We are continuing with our spiders topics, uh, just in time for spooky season. I guess this will probably be coming out toward middle, end of September, right? Um, So we just talked about jumping spiders last episode. In this episode, we are going to talk about another fairly large group, the orb weavers. Um what they lack for lack, I guess lack in cuteness compared to the jumping spiders. Uh, (laughs) They make up for in their intricate web designs. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about the different types that you can find in Texas or just North America in general. Um, So these are in the family Araneidae, very large family. Uh, I do want to note that not all, Orb, I guess I should say other groups of spiders do create that orb web look. I, I want to say it's selected to like one other family that's closely related to these guys. But um, what they're known for are their webs, uh, wheel-shaped or a spiral-shaped web. Um, it's pretty cool how they get that. So what I was reading, I don't know if it's the same for all of them, but they will kind of have, if you imagine your point A, and point B of where you're attaching your web. Uh, They go to the middle of that first string uh, and then tie down the third strand. So it makes like a Y, if you can picture a Y shape web. Uh, And then from there, from that center point, they will create kind of a spiral or circular web. Some of them will have pretty cool designs in the center that they will lay on. Um, So real quick, I guess we'll talk about I guess, a description of species that you'll commonly see. There's the Argiope, 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 however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how everyone else pronounce it. I say Argiope. I think Mike Merchant used to say Argiope. How do you say it, Wizzy? Argiope. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Spanish in there. Spanish or... make it sound important (laughs) it's like french or spanish you're right you're right brian we all say it completely different and my my nacho libre voice oh yeah tomato tomato i guess um we'll never know will we never woman um these are the uh yellow Garden spiders, I think, is the most common name. Some people will call them banana spiders, but that's actually a different type of orb weaver. And honestly, I think a whole different type. Yeah, I don't even think it's in the United States. I had a, I called them banana spiders too, because that's what I grew up calling them. And I had a child tell me how wrong I was and that they were really from Africa or Australia or one of the- Actually, that doesn't make any sense because I feel like South America produces more bananas. Does Africa? I thought banana spiders came from South America. Yeah, I think it's South America. See, we need to look that up. But they're in, bana- like, 
they're in like bunches of bananas is where they like to hang out. And that's how they get that name. Are they venomous? I remember there being like a PSA. Pick your bananas. Oh, that they were like under, that was like, they were under toilet seats or something weird. Yeah. Right. I feel like they are, Brian. I feel like those ones are bad news, but the yellow garden spiders and there's like three different species of the, how did Wizzy say it? Argiope. Um, (laughs) Those are pronounce it like I do. Okay, wait, banana spiders. Uh, Banana spiders of the Cupineus genus are often mistaken for poisonous banana spiders. However, these brown furry arachnids with skinny legs in South America and Central America are far from dangerous. Banana spiders are slightly venomous. So a lot of these in this group, too, are going to have a venom. Um, The yellow garden spider that I'm referring to which if you're in texas i'm sure you've come across it at some point in your backyard and it's like a an alarming larger yellow and black spider they're really beautiful they've got this characteristic kind of zigzag pattern down the middle of their web um i they're one of my favorite spiders we keep them around I, I was reading that they can bite, though they're very docile. Uh, if they do bite, it's related to something like a like a bee sting. Um, I'm sure you would have to be really messing around with them for them to bite you. Have you all ever heard of anyone being bitten by one? Or No. No. And, I mean, you can pretty much pick them up, I feel like, even out of their web, and they don't. They, they're pretty gentle. Yeah, I'm... Curious as to what these people are doing that the spider bites them. Because I feel like you have to earn it. I agree. So I've seen yeah. people, uh, orb weavers in general, hand, handling orb weavers uh, all the time and, and never dealing with a bite. So orb weavers are found all over the world, um, just like the jumping spiders. Relatively large group. There's over 3,000 described species. We talked about, I guess, where they get their name, the orb weaver. A lot of them will remake webs daily. Um, so they'll kind of, you know, come out if they're nocturnal, for example, build their web at night, ingest the rest of the web, go into hiding during the day. And that's kind of a repetitive cycle. I think the yellow garden spiders that I mentioned, the Argiope, those ones tend to stay put um however if you knock down the web i know that they will like move to find a more suitable area is that y'all's same experience yeah i think they don't like to be bothered too much so i've noticed that if you have them by maybe like if someone has them up by a horse stall or something in a barn and and it jiggles all the time or they're outside their door and the door slams and the vibrations kind of make that web move then they'll they tend to go somewhere else they'll abandon it so i will tell people that don't like them wherever they are just throw a, a stick in it or just irritate that you know until they decide to move away because they eventually will because i think it's probably a lot of work to build that thing and if they if it gets ruined, they go somewhere else. Right. Um, we had one. Uh, it wasn't one because it was multiple years, but they would always build a nest right in front of our sliding glass door. We have a huge sliding glass door uh, that goes out to a deck and it was always around spooky season. So we're decorating the house, getting ready for Halloween. And that was our kind of living, I don't know, monument uh to to the halloween season we'd always you know 
catch moths and throw it in its web. Um, they have a really the Argiope, They'll they'll put out their little egg sacs. Um, and so if if they are in a place that you don't want them to be, yes, you can move them. If they create the web, let's say it's like under a deck or something, you can leave the egg sac there. Or if you want to just put it out in the environment, um, it will be fine. They don't do too well in captivity that I know of. Um, I mean, maybe someone else has had better luck. I've tried to keep one of the yellow garden spiders alive and, and it did not do well. They like freedom. They like to feel the wind in their web. Okay, so I have a question, and this kind of goes back to the web thing. Yeah. Um, well, one, are you going to talk about, like, web building and the different, like, sticky versus non? Yeah, I, I can totally mention that. So the majority of the web is going to be the non-sticky, right? Um, and then that final kind of spiral toward the middle, because these webs can be over pretty large areas, um, like, depending on the species, right? I've seen some orb weavers that'll hang out in trees and it's like they'll balloon to the top of your house, right? And then they'll stick another web to the deck. And so you've got this like web that's secured over, let's say like a 20 foot by 20 foot area, but then the middle of it is this like dense. Which which I think is a testament to how strong that web is because they just kind of have one string going off, maybe like four strings, right? Just holding it stable. And it's barely, I mean, the wind will move it, but it can be fairly stable. And that string can be, you know, 10, 15 feet till it hits a branch or the roof of your house or something. And you'd think that, you know, that would be pretty flimsy, but apparently it's not. (laughs) Apparently it's super strong. Um, and then, yeah, so that middle area, which is probably the part that you're really going to be able to see if it's at night, you can kind of shine a light on it. Um, that's the sticky web portion. And then like the Archaeope, that kind of zigzag. Um, I was reading a bit about that. So it apparently reflects UV light. So it can be like an attractant to certain prey items it can also be a deterrent to things like birds like flying through their web so um this is a pretty i don't want to say ancient uh, an old group orb weavers are relatively old group i was reading estimates of them evolving back 200 to 140 million years ago uh and some scientists even proposed that the promotion of like diversification between spiders and insects was really what prompted uh, all of these various groups. Whenever we think of diversification of insects, we associate it with like angiosperms and flowering plants. And apparently, I mean, who's to say, right? But there are some scientists that believe that the, 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 the main push was actually the association of like orb weavers and their success in, in you know, preying on these insects, which is interesting. Okay, wait before you go on. So when I was reading about the, the webs and stuff and they're, them making the webs and like, if it, the, cause they use the web, they have poor eyesight. They're using that web to capture their food on a daily basis. Right. So that's why a lot of them will rebuild the web and some of them will rebuild it in the evening. Some of them rebuild it in the morning, but it talks about some of them ingesting the web 
so they don't lose those resources. And so when they rebuild that web, they're essentially using, you know, 80 to 90% of the redigested or whatever web that they had previously. How this is, this is what I was looking for and I could not find it. How do they ingest the web? Like, how do they take that in? Because they've got fangs. So how are they doing that? Yeah, that's true. That is a very good question. I I also read that they just ingest because they have like a set reserve of webbing. And as they're, as they grow older, that is more and more depleted. And so the coloration also comes into play there where it's like an attractiveness or like a mimicry from certain prey items. I also wanted to mention too, that the sticky web is apparently there's a trade-off there where the sticky web is way more visible than that non-sticky web that's like holding the structure all together. And so kind of characteristic of these orb weavers that are kind of hanging out in the middle, you know, on their web is a way for them to kind of hide or hover over that really sticky portion. Um, As far as ingesting it, I, I have no idea. I did not come across that. I just saw. Well, and you also, you mentioned on the, the UV light, when you shine UV light on it, um, it like picks up some of the web. But what I read was when you shine a UV light on it, the spider essentially disappears and like the main anchoring web disappears. And so then you have that like, you know, zippery mess of stuff that like really shows up and it's kind of like a a target for stuff to, that's what they're attracted to. And I was like, that's that makes me want to go light and mess around. I, yeah. What's going on? That's <laughs> the zipper spider, I think is another common name too, for these guys. Um, yes. So and signature I, spider too. We, we've talked about our guy, like this, this is one genus in this family, but there's other uh, common species at least when I was in Bryan College Station, I can think of like four that we've seen there. So um, the other, well, I guess I should say the favorite. Oh, gosh, I can't say favorite. I love Okriope, but uh, Gasteracantha. So these are those spiny orb weaver uh, spiders. Typically, they come in so many different. Okay, are those the ones people say are crab spiders, but aren't crab spiders? Yeah. Like the ones that look like little tiny, like they have the shell thingy? I've also okay. heard them called kite spiders. Have you ever heard kite, that? I've heard them called kite spiders too. Spiders. Yeah. So it's, it looks like, um, it looks like an all abdomen spider, I guess is what I can kind mm-hmm. of. <laughs> yes. A ball, like a, okay. If you can imagine a crab and then maybe this is where the. Con- well, like a crab, like a cra- a spiny crab shell. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like everything's got to be like tucked underneath it for the rest of the spider. <laughs> Everything, I guess the legs and the head are so reserved to like the front portion of the body that like you don't see too much of what's going on underneath. And they can be very uh, vibrant with their colors. There's kind of a, there's a white um, abdomen with like black spots and very red spines. There are yellow and black ones there are orange uh one they look like they look like the bad guy from super mario brothers (laughs) right 
Wait, is that is that Bowser? Maybe. Or See, what? now I gotta look it up. Yeah, there's something Who about it that, that I can't figure out which character it is, but it's making me think of that. Yeah, Bowser. So I they have the the white ones with the red spines. I think I probably see more commonly in San Antonio at least. Um, but then there is that orange one with black spines. Is it? And I it's the same species. Is it a male female thing, or they just have two different colors to so it? So what I look there's two subspecies in this genus. Um, oh, okay. But there's way more colors. I mean, there's even a yellow. Yeah. The black spines. I swear that I've seen one that was blue before. I have too, I feel like. There's also like a black with yellow dots. There are rules when it comes to like, so you won't get a yellow one with red spines, right? Um, if it's got red spines, it's going to be like the white. So white and orange won't make yellow. Right, right. So from what I've seen online, it's just color variation, the same species or even subspecies. Um, I've always wondered that too. Like, can a orange mate with, you know, a, a white and red? So this genus is—I don't want to say—I am going to say unique because a lot of the orb weavers partake in that sexual cannibalism, where the males will typically. There's not a high success rate if mating occurs. Um, if it occurs and there is success rate, a male will try to, you know, mate again they typically will always die at that second mating. This genus doesn't do that. The, the females don't consume the males. The females will die very shortly after producing an egg mass, and the males will die, uh, I saw estimates, six days after completing the, the cycle. Um, is that for just this one, or is that all orb weavers after they do the egg case then they die like charlotte's web yeah as far as the females um you know i don't i think the time is much shorter here for these ones um because females of other species i think are able to have multiple egg clutches um and it might be different for species to species remember it's a very large group so um for these ones the sexual dimorphism is still there uh, typically, the females are much larger. They're five to nine millimeters. You're also going to find... <laughs> I've always found these. I'm walking around in a forest insect collecting, and you just kind of, like, hit them. Like, they... Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the face. <laughs> yes, right in the face. <laughs> I guess or weavers in general, right? Like, that's... Yes. It's like, it's the spider web that you walk through, and it's like, what is on... Freak out. Yeah, you, you're, like pawing at your face trying to get whatever right it is right off. and if it's one of these little you know spiny back orb weavers i don't mind that but if it's like a giant <laughs> i don't want to walk through like an archaeopy and or even some of the larger orb weavers oh gosh there's another genus that i'm going to get into now and i don't i think the genus is nephilia so these are the same kind of body shape as the something right. dead that's yeah. what I'm thinking in my right. brain. This is the golden silk orb weavers. And I think they're more secluded to like the South, uh, like Southern states. I'm thinking like Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, I think East Texas too. Coastal. Uh, yeah. They're my um, guidebook here says that they're found in trees and coastal areas. 
Hey, Molly, what guidebook do you have? For our listeners, if you want more information about spiders. My favorite, favorite one. It's called Spiders of Texas, a common guide to notable a guide to common and notable species by Valerie Bugh, B-U-G-H. And it's just a, a, um, like an accordion foldy thing and it's waterproof and it's a really fabulous picture, like just picture guide thing. It's, I mean, when I get pictures of spiders, this is what I use. They used to sell it at HEBs at the grocery store at the checkout and then they stopped, but you can find them on Amazon and you can find them. And I think even at Barnes and Noble. They are a nice little quick guide and waterproof it is in less than ten dollars so well worth it so yeah these these golden silk orb weavers um the time that i've seen them was in cheese i think we were in louisiana i'm trying to remember we were trying to find uh mosquito breeding habitats in like northern louisiana forested pretty wet so many of these spiders. Uh, so I think that they're kind of considered a communal spider. Wizzy had mentioned a little bit how some spiders will kind of eat others or they'll eat the like prey items that have been in uh, the the web being of spiders nearby. Orb weavers will kind of do that. Well, they will attach their webs to other webs. They kind of create this blanket web look. Pretty large, let's see. This is up to two inches in females, but okay, there we go. Not including leg span. That makes sense uh, because I've definitely seen them be what I would call like four <laughs> inches or so, including their legs. Let's see. The other species that I was kind of getting at in the beginning, I, I can't find the actual genus, but according to that spider's manual that Molly was just mentioning, I'm thinking... The our oh how funny arboreal orb weaver is what this one's called um, in Neoscona um, says trees and eaves so I'm not sure I, I think this is the one that I typically will see at night so they're kind of like up in the trees during the day and then you go outside in your backyard and you walk through a web um, and you will see them kind of come down from the tree to attack the web um, have you guys ever seen that there like a mottled brown color. They've got a really big abdomen. They don't look like the golden orb weaver or that yellow orb weaver that I mentioned, like the archaeope. They definitely look more like a, I don't know. Are those the ones that people call barn spiders? I think so. Probably so. They kind of, they almost look like a, um, like a widow body, body shape. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but then there's also the lichen orb weavers. There's and a furrow orb weaver that look like each other. Just one is like more lichen colored than it's <laughs> got more green and the other one's more brown. But I mean like pattern wise, it's similar. Wait, is it the lichen one that looks like lichen? Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they've got those like bulbous abdomens that are Black Widow-esque and they all kind of look the same. They really do. Because people send you a picture of their of their uh, ventral side, and I'm like, I can't tell until it's the oh. And then there's a humpbacked orb weaver that to me looks more like lichen than the lichen orb weaver. That one's really pretty. The humpback orb weaver is yeah, like a I don't even know how to like a creamy green kind of color, like a mint green. Yeah, mint green makes way more sense than creamy green. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. 
As far as the garden spiders go, though, you can find there's so many species. Banded, black and yellow, silver garden spider. There's some, I think they're in the same genus that Argiope spider. They're much thinner than the black and yellow garden spider. Um, and I've seen those just in my like garden. I, those are usually a spider that I often see in the garden. I think they're called the lined orb weaver. I'm not too sure. Okay, so I talked about web trade-offs, sticky versus visible. Did you talk yet about um, ba- kind of backtracking to the um, Argiope spider, the the garden spiders, and maybe other orb weavers do this too? How if you look, when you see them, you see a female, and the male is like itty-bitty teeny tiny. And I, I learned this from someone else, so I could be wrong, and y'all are going to say what are you talking about but the male's itty bitty teeny tiny and he's in her web somewhere you just have to look and he has like a lifeline so that he can go up and mate with her and then he drops down so she doesn't turn around and gobble him up and he just dangles to get you know back up on the web or whatever um i and i if you look closely you're supposed to be able to see him in the webs but i've never done that so yeah i um and i also took notes because i side note i really would love to do like arthropod reproduction series. I've got like sexual cannibalism on there. I have other. Oh yeah. Um, Traumatic insemination. You got to add that to it. Plant relationships. Did you know there's some mosquitoes that only breed in like pitcher plants? Yeah. They have- I mean, I don't know who they are, but I've heard that. Crazy. Um, so yes, what you were saying. So two mating in, in orb weavers that I found. So there's the, mating thread spiders and then there's the ones that will mate on the what they call the nest hub or like in the actual nest so there's a lot of sexual dimorphism in the orb weavers the male is going to be substantially smaller than the female um, which helps them to kind of this is typically going to be seen in the ones that are mating on the hub on the nest itself but not nest web itself thought to promote the like undetection um, so they can get close enough to the female for mating to occur and possibly get away. With the Argiope species, I was seeing that there's there's kind of a cutoff. Um, like if mating lasts less than five seconds, apparently, and the male can jump off and get away, less likely to be eaten. If the mating lasts over five seconds, up to 10 seconds, the Mating is a more successful. However, the male will often be consumed. It also, apparently they've done tests where uh, those, I'm not going to call them unsuccessful matings, but the ones that last less than five where the male is able to kind of get away and scurry off, that typically occurs more in related individuals. So if they've come from like the same egg clutch, then I'm sorry, this whole entire conversation, I am just like trying to have, I, I'm dying. So my, my beavis and butthead side is coming out because I'm just like, if, if they're related, then this happens. And if it's only five seconds, then this happens. How do we know this? <laughs> but yeah, so which makes sense, right? So if you're related getting away and finding an unrelated female is going to, (laughs) and this goes for all of us, right? Promote more (laughs) 
genetic variation in the population, you have less of an inbreeding coefficient going on. Uh, and Brian, did you have a hard time teaching reproduction when you were doing when you were doing high school science? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're over here giggling. Because of people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Just giggling away. Oh yeah. I had students are ballsy. They will ask whatever question they want. <laughs> um, so and then we talk about mating threads. So the mating thread is in other species. There's apparently less sexual uh dimorphism there where like the males are still smaller than the females, but not as small. If they're able to kind of lay that thread, the mating will occur on the thread and they're more likely to get away because the female is actively like hanging. Uh, she's not in that kind of nest hub that she's built. Um, so she doesn't have as much, I don't know, leverage or the ability to kind of grab on and, and wrap up a male. Um, so two different forms. I think the mating thread uh, is different from what Molly was mentioning about the uh, lifeline thread. So I think that lifeline thread is what occurs whenever they're mating on the actual nest hub. If the mate is successful and the male can get away, they'll kind of jump ship um, and you know dangle from another thread that kind of reminds me of those what are they the worms that are like the fall worms that come out and you like walk under an oak tree oh those are uh, oak leaf roll yeah down and then climb back don't they that oh, so. kind of avoid predation too yeah like well it could be like if wind knocks them out oh. yeah, they'll drop down if something's coming after them or what Talk about dispersal of the spiderlings. That's a great one. Do I even have an answer for it? Do they balloon just like all the others? I think they do. Let me look up real quick. For the spiderlings, so when with most orb weavers, they're going to create an egg sac um, in late summer, early fall, and then the spiders will die off, like Bryant was mentioning. So your spiders are going to die um the, the adult ones and then the following spring you're going to have those little spiderlings hatching out of that egg sac and they will throw up a strand of silk and that will actually catch a wind and bury them off and so that is essentially called ballooning and i remember oh god it was years ago maybe 2004 2005 we had massive amounts of spiders ballooning and there was just like silk and you could see it it would catch the sunlight and it's just like floating through the air and people were panicking because they didn't know what was going on and it was just i thought it was super cool but the regular people were not too jazzed about it the ballooning like even if you like go to a park i guess and you're just kind of looking up at the sky and then every now and then yeah you'll see these like strands of thread just i just imagine a cute little baby spider like i I want to think there's a cartoon or something that this happened because i have this image of all of these groups of spiders (laughs) it could it has to be a cartoon where they're all ballooning and one of them is like scared to go off into the real world and balloon away um anyway (laughs) not related So the other thing that I think that we should probably mention since we're in Texas and Brian, you probably don't know about this maybe because you weren't 
with extension yet. Um, but we had in 2015, I want to say up in the Dallas area, they had this mass webbing event. So it's like this rare event that can happen. They were long jawed orb weavers, spiders, and they were, I mean, the trees covered, covered like trees that are completely covered with spider webs. And it was just this, you know, hundreds of thousands of spiders that are in this giant web that are covering these trees in this area and it just essentially everybody's like well why why is this happening and it usually happens when there's like a mass um emergence of some of a food essentially i mean they're taking advantage of the food resources so you know you get the right environmental conditions you have those insects emerge out and then the spiders go bananas and it, it was a really cool thing and it you know Lots of news coverage of that event, and you could probably Google it if you like. When want. there was like national news coverage of yeah. it, right? It yeah, was, it was crazy. I mean, people. It was like almost like a temporary tourist attraction uh-huh. where people were driving to this park to look at the spiders and the webs and the trees. So, and I, very I cool. don't even know if I really, I don't know if it's the same for all orb weavers or not, but. Right, arachnids with their eight legs. A lot of the orb weavers, if you just look at a still picture of them, they've got their first two pairs that are going forward. And that's what you see in those um, those spiny-backed orb weavers, too. You'll see those kind of four legs hanging out front. And then the other two are kind of pushed toward the back. So they always have this kind of X look. Um, if it's not that X look, then, you know, either way, the two pairs that are for... Uh, the first two pairs are going to be facing forward. The third pair is kind of out toward the side. And then that back pair goes up in like an X shape. Is that pretty consistent from what you guys have seen from the orb weavers or. And I'm mentioning this because you mentioned the long jawed orb weaver. And if you look at pictures of those, they just look like. A, it almost looks like a stick. skinny, like yeah, skinny. <laughs> the legs are so far forward that they're not like, you can't see where the legs begin and the body begins almost. Yeah. Yeah. I would say most of the, like the typical orb weavers, it's like almost a X that their legs are creating. Right. right. Um, And as far as habitat goes in gardens, uh, forested lands, I think a lot of these like moisture um, in general, so like the long jawed orb weaver, I feel like I've seen those a lot, especially around like a pond area or like a natural water area. Um, I'm sure that they can be found elsewhere as well, but um, I've definitely seen orb weavers. Like if I'm on a deck and there's kind of that lily kind of habitat, they kind of go over the water almost. Um, you guys seen... Do, do, I don't know if that's a long orb weaver or if that's just like a golden orb weaver that I've seen do that. In any case, though, very beautiful spiders, so many different colorations in general, right? When something is super brightly colored, it's like, don't mess with me. So I have a random question and you may or may not know the answer. So the golden silk orb weaver, is it called a golden silk orb weaver because it is golden as a spider, which it is. It's got that like bright yellow abdomen, but does it also have like golden colored silk? I think it's 
Because when you look at it, it's it's like, like golden silk. <laughs> golden silk or weaver. Like you would think it would have golden yeah. silk. It's, yeah, it's like golden dash silk. Like it's describing the silk, not the not body. The spider. Yeah, I yeah. think it was the spiders because that abdomen is so it's beautiful. golden. Uh, it's right. So it's doesn't really have that like uh, spotting or striping that like the yellow garden spider, for example, will have. They almost look to me like a blister beetle, uh, like the elytra on the blister beetle, that shape. Like the abdomen has that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as far as the golden silk, uh, yeah, I have no idea. I will say, though, that black and yellow, the Argiope spider, have you ever seen like their egg sacs are usually kind of a yellow, like a pale yellow color? Yeah. And they're like a teardrop shape. Yeah. Teardrop. Uh, it's probably like a gumball size. I, I mean, I think it's. I, I've seen them larger than a gumball. I mean, I've seen them huge. People normally are, if you're not paying attention or you don't know spiders, I have people that will remove those because they see the the big, you know, teardrop shape thing. And then they're like, well, I don't have any spiders this year. And it's like, well, you got rid of them last year. So you need to, you need to leave those in place if you want spiders. Do the spiderlings typically chew their way out of that egg sac? Because I, t- I've taken one of those egg sacs before and had it inside to kind of protect them and put them out later and um it was you know a season later nothing happened and i thought okay i'm gonna start dissecting this and when i did um open it it was a bunch of dead spiderlings that were in the inside so i was wondering if there's i think it i don't think that they chew there necessarily i think with the the webbing it's more of them kind of going so they can kind of nooks and crannies they can yeah but i i don't that's another question for a spider expert. We need to get like somebody so I can ask all these weird random questions that I have. We don't have any spider experts in Texas, do we? That we know of. Yeah. There's probably someone under the radar. Mm-hmm. Probably some junior in high school right now judging us. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Argiope. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody do the Google pronunciation thing? I've I've done Google and I have a PDF reader and they pronounce them differently. Argiope is how I think the Google translate. Ooh, or, here, uh, wait, I have it on YouTube. Because we all know that's the definitive. Oh, yeah. This uh, And then like just Google translate is saying Argiope. See, the YouTube one is Argiope or Argiope. We're all kind of right. Yep. I think we agree to disagree that there's no real way to say it. True, true. If you come across A-G-R-I-O-P-E, pronounce it any way you <laughs> The only way to know is to find the person that named it. And they're probably not even alive anymore. Yep. <laughs> probably not around. No, probably not. I think most of these were described like in the... 18 and 17. Oh, wait, I found one Latin with the native pronunciation. I'm interested. Oh, here we go. Argiope. Argiope. That's how you say it. Okay. Argiope. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> There's one more story I want to share. I think I've already shared it with you two before we started recording, but I was looking at 
in 2009, there was a species of warp weaver um, up in Baltimore that took over a warehouse, apparently four acres of a warehouse that was completely covered in, in spiderweb. And when I say that, I'm, I'm going to post the article. It's not a scientific article. It's just a little news reporting just for the picture I want our listeners to check out because it's terrifying. I feel like we should put like a disclaimer in here. If you are an arachnophobe, you do not need to be listening to these. <laughs> yeah, we should have said that to start with. You could imagine, yeah, like walking into a Walmart um, and the just entire ceiling and aisles in this beautiful. I'm imagining like the like that Halloween crappy spider web stuff that everybody puts out. I'm just imagining that covering yeah. everything. Uh, that, but even more full. And actually, I'm going to just oh. send you all this funny little link. And you can see the picture that I'm looking at because it's wild. And here's another one. <gasps> oh, that looks like a horror movie right there. Right? So estimates of this like population outbreak were up to 107 million spiders, as many as 30,000 spiders in a cubic uh, meter. Okay, so I'm thinking if if I'm trying to paint a picture for our listeners, if you have seen The Lord of the Rings when uh, oh Sam and uh, Frodo, is it Frodo? Yeah, yeah Frodo. They're going into, and this is the movie, not the book. Um, so they're going into Shalab's lair and they're walking in there. So Shalab is that giant spider thing. Um, imagine that kind of environment in a warehouse and you'll have a picture of this. When I was a kid watching that movie, I was so upset that that spider had a stinger. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> oh, okay, but this is also um there's elves and orcs and right. uh dwarves. <laughs> and... <laughs> so I think the spider with the stinger is the least of your worries. <laughs> but no, it's a very good comparison because it's exactly like that. Like imagine not being able to tread without touching like a bl a literal blanket of webbing with all these spiders. And I've seen them in fields too. I don't know if those are orb weavers like the Australian outbreaks. I think they are. A like the golden orb weavers that will completely take over like tractors and uh, whatnot. Have you guys seen those videos? Um, I feel like. Oh, sorry. I was reading the article. The article says that the webbing was so d dense that it pulled eight foot long fluorescent light fixtures out of place. Oh my uh gosh. Oh. <laughs> well, they say the, the, Silk is stronger than steel, pound for pound, m but not heavier, I wouldn't think. All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you are enjoying this little spider series, spooky season spider series, we will be continuing our episodes uh, with another group of spiders next time. So be sure to tune in and join us. Have a great day. 
Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcast, Unwanted Guests, brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.